What's up, everyone? Welcome to the week 16 Sit Start Podcast. Happy holidays to everyone. We are in the fantasy playoffs. The weather's getting bad. Uh, we've got important matchups. Uh, both Ryan and I are still alive in the Scott Fishbowl. We're coming up on the finals. Like This is just a great time to be alive. So I'm joined by Ryan Heath, as always. I'm Eric Smith. To break down uh, your most difficult sit-start decisions, and there are a lot of them this week. Uh, cold weather, uh, backup quarterbacks, just all kinds of craziness. So Ryan, we're going to do our best to break it down this week. But um, how are your teams doing? Any exciting best ball stuff going on? Like, wh- What's the state of Ryan Heath's fantasy portfolio this week? It's honestly looking pretty good. I think I mentioned on the What We Saw podcast that I ba- basically won all my first round playoff matchups. Uh, best ball doing not quite as well. I only have one team still alive in the puppy. Uh, it, it does have Travis Kelsey and Taysom Hill on it. So it, we're getting that extremely unique roster construction. It's got like Dalvin Cook and Travis Etienne. I, I actually kind of like that one. So I'm, I'm going to be pulling pretty hard for that this weekend. <laughs> At least you have Taysom Hill and not Jeff Driscoll, right? Uh, you obviously thought that one far enough ahead. So you've got the right uh, Swiss Army Knife quarterback at tight end to play this week. Um, Dr- Jeff Driscoll, maybe we'll touch on him later, but it didn't quite work out like we thought it would last week. So uh, if that's any indication of what kind of fantasy season we're going through, uh, I think that's all the, all the explanation that you need. But um, as always, we'll have every single player broken down on the website for our sit start article. So make sure you check that out. Uh, but we did want to start with our weekly weather check-in. So Ryan, get your weather hat on, um, do your best impersonation of uh, a meteorologist here. Uh, it, it's going to be bad. We're all trying to figure out how to travel for the holidays, and we're also trying to figure out what to do with our fantasy team. So we're going to check in on some of the worst games here. Um, it looks like starts out on Thursday night. I think this one kind of popped up last minute. Uh, Jaguars at Jets. It looks like we're going to have like one to two inches of rain. Uh, the winds are like 13 miles an hour plus, which isn't too crazy, but um, Ryan, any Jags or Jets that you kind of are bailing on with one to two inches of rain, uh, you know, looking at Thursday night here? I don't know if it's the rain so much as for some reason, Vegas is very down on this game total. This is one of seven games this week that is under a total of 40 points. I don't know how much the weather has to do with that, but yeah, it definitely makes me think twice about playing any I've really, I mean, most of the Jags, I'm just going to close my eyes and pray, but pretty much only interested in Garrett Wilson on the Jets side of this one. Uh, it may, maybe in a different week, this I could talk myself into streaming Zach Wilson against the Jaguars, but l- luckily we don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like a little heat check here on uh, Trevor Lawrence. I'm not exactly sure what you do if you've got him in your lineup because he's really been uh, crushing it lately. So, I would tend to agree with you, kind of close your eyes and hope the talent plays out here. But um, it's certainly one of those spots. If you have someone in a better weather matchup available, maybe make that move. But we'll see what this Thursday night game looks like. At least it's just rain. Uh, Next up, we have Bills at Bears. Um, It's going to be uh, real feel. I think that's what we're calling it. I thought it used to be wind chill, but real feel is negative 14 degrees for this Bills and Bears game. 20 plus mile an hour winds. Uh, sounds pretty brutal. Uh, Saints at Browns is also going to be a real feel of negative 18 with 29 mile an hour winds. And then Raiders at Steelers, negative nine degrees, 13 plus mile an hour winds. So those are fairly windy and really, really cold. I know we always say to pay attention to the wind, Ryan, but I think when it starts to get down to like negative 18, we might want to start factoring in the weather here too. I, I almost wonder if this just hurts defenses even more. Like, can you imagine trying to like tackle a running back when 
he is just a block of ice heading at you. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what football in general looks like this weekend. But yeah, I, I mean, that that Bills at Bears game is especially concerning that because that's like the one we care the most about for fantasy. I I don't know how I feel about any bill besides Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. And I, I mean, obviously this is fine for Justin Fields. He's just going to continue running a ton. So we, we can, that can probably work out and it's not, not like there's any pass catchers on the bears we're missing out on. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this kind of, I think speeds games up too. generally, like if there's less passing, less incompletions, just a bunch of running, like might be less possessions for each team. So even some of these running backs, like they might be in good spots, but we might just have lower scoring in general. Uh, Definitely do not play kickers in these matchups if you can help it just kind of factor this all in. But uh, it's going to be rough. I mean, we're not even including a bunch of games that are just going to be regular cold, like Bengals at Patriots. Like that's just going to be a normal cold December game. But uh, these are the extreme ones. So those are the four to really keep an eye on. Jaguars at Jets, Bills at Bears, Saints at Browns, and Raiders at Steelers. So if you have anyone who needs to catch the ball in those games, uh, maybe think twice before you get them in your lineups. Yeah, I, I'm just staring at these temperatures. Like I the last couple of weeks I've watched so many football players like run around the field in like below 10 degrees wearing like short sleeves. I, I I'm just wondering who the psycho is going to be in, in Buffalo this week that doesn't have any sleeves on. Cause I know there will be at least one. Yeah. I, I think we've got some really good teams for this actually like half the Raiders and Steelers rosters, I feel like fits this mold. So uh, yeah, there's going to be some uh, sleeveless offensive linemen for sure showing off how tough they are. So it uh, should be fun though. Just maybe not fun for fantasy production. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, the, yeah, the, the weather's just so, so bad this week. And I, I know that that's contributing to a lot of these low over unders, but I don't know about you, Eric, but when I was going through the rankings, I started just upgrading players who were playing in domes or who were playing in good weather because it re- yeah. it really felt like just everybody was going to be playing in the cold or just in, as you said, with a backup quarterback. There, there's just are very few fantasy options I feel good about kind of anywhere. And we'll we'll see that when we get <laughs> to the quarterback streamers, especially this week. Yeah, and then add in that I think with all these Saturday games, we've got a lot of players sitting out practice, a lot of players limited in practice. They're they're taking it easy on a short week here, but the practice reports are pretty messy uh, Wednesday night when we're recording this, and uh, there are some injuries. We just don't know if they're real or not, so it, it's it's going to be touch and go here all the way up to Saturday. So if you've got some travel to do leading up to Christmas, uh, maybe set your lineups on Friday before you get on the road. Cause um, I don't know. A lot could change here in the next few days. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we jump into running back? So I think the first place we need to go is Jonathan Taylor being most likely out for the season with a high ankle sprain. Uh, so look, it's, it is the cults. Like we could say, okay, this is dead end franchise, whatever. We don't need to care what their backfield is. They do play the Chargers this week, Eric. So I I am going to need a take from you on whether you prefer Zach Moss or Deion Jackson this week. 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, the chargers are still allowing 5.5 yards per carry. Uh, it's still first in the league. I do think their offense is starting to figure things out, which maybe takes some pressure off of that run defense. Um, we'll see how this goes towards the end of the year, but uh, it's a lot harder to run on them if you're behind. So that's, that's one thing that kind of worries me about this Colts backfield. There's a lot though. I mean, they're switching to Nick Foles, which I don't understand. It's the second time they've now benched Matt Ryan. I don't know why Nick Foles is playing. I haven't really seen a good reason for it. Uh, I, I just I don't think this is a team we should trust in the fantasy playoffs, honestly. Like we saw last week, um, 67% of the snaps for Zach Moss, 32% for Deion Jackson. I wouldn't be surprised if that was flipped this week. I, I really don't know why they're starting the players they are, why they're benching their quarterback, all that kind of stuff. So um, we saw Moss as the lead back last week. That's kind of what I'm going with here. But I think he's a really high variance play. There is upside for sure against this Chargers run defense, but I do think that it could be a really bad floor here and Deion Jackson could be leading the way. We've seen him have a big workload. So it was hard for me to get Zach Moss much higher than RB32 this week, honestly. I for one, I just don't think he's that great of a player. And then two, this is just a bad situation. So like I still have Brian Robinson ahead of him at San Francisco, like Devin Singletary, even in a timeshare, Rashad White, who's kind of been surpassed lately uh, by, well, last week by Leonard Fournette. Like that's that's the range I've got him in. It's a good matchup, but uh, I just think it's really hard to trust either of these guys in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Colts could very easily just play whichever guy they want for the majority of the snaps. I We saw yep. that in Houston just this week. Like, we were trying to figure out if it was – I played Rex Burkhead in a bunch of leagues where I was desperate, but it ended up being Royce Freeman that was getting most of the early down workload. Like, it, we could just have anybody pop up here. It, just because Moss was playing last week after Taylor went down doesn't mean that he – is locked actually locked into volume that said i might have to play him in the scott fishbowl uh it is it is (laughs) looking like it's between zach moss and a very questionable Cortland sutton for me right now so with with brett ripen probably throwing him the ball so that's uh, yeah you it turns out you don't have to have a good team to advance in the scott fishbowl yeah, I will uh, most likely be benching uh, Jalen Hurts, so I'll have Andy Dalton to play alongside Patrick Mahomes, so not quite how I drew it up either. Uh, the Colts also have uh, escalated uh, Jordan Wilkins from the practice squad, so he's another one that could possibly factor in here. Like, yeah, I just I agree with everything you said. There is legitimate upside here for Moss. I mean, it's if he plays 67% of the snaps, they hang in this game. I mean, it's hard to make any sense to the Colts when they can be up big and then blow a big lead, but... Last week, it mainly was not their offense that built that big lead. So I just, I don't trust this offense in general. But the Texans' point was a good one. I played a lot of Dari Agumbawale in DFS. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but he was in my lineup as the pass catcher. And that, I don't think he got a target. So it's just really hard with these bad teams playing out the string to really make much sense of who gets the ball in any given week. So I would include the Colts in uh, that mess along with the Texans. Somehow Dari Agumawale crops up in the fantasy playoffs every single year. I distinctly remember having to play him in the Warrior Bowl finals in week 17 last year. That was that was so much fun. I yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great time of the year. All right. All right. Let's move into a. I would say like a more important or or more relevant fantasy backfield. Let's talk about the Browns. So 
Nick Chubb apparently did not practice on Wednesday. Just what what's kind of your read here? And that, as we mentioned, this is going to be another game affected by weather. Yeah, for sure. This is one of the cold ones. I, I, I honestly don't know how worried we should be about Nick Chubb right now. I've got him just kind of locked into RB10 for now. Uh, but I think the real question is how high can we get Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb misses? I, I, that's going to be the main talking point if if Nick Chubb ends up missing this game. And and then maybe to a lesser extent, can we play Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb is limited or you know not full go? Uh, I, I think I would push back a little bit on getting too high on Kareem Hunt, though, even if Chubb misses, because even Nick Chubb himself, he only has two games over 10 PPR points since the bye in week nine. That's six games. So um, this offense has been struggling and it has not gotten, got a whole lot better since Deshaun Watson came in. It's actually gotten worse. So uh, I, I don't, even with the cold weather and we're assuming they're going to have to run the ball a ton, I would be a little hesitant if Hunt is the starter to just like bench your studs for Kareem Hunt because it's cold and he's the bell cow now in Cleveland. So I, I've got him, Kareem Hunt, kind of in that Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders range, kind of those guys you just don't know what to do with on a weekly basis. And so that that certainly makes him a viable starter, but I I think it's more like it's closer to the RB20 range, I think, than a lot of people are going to want to go with. I I could see a lot of people asking, is he an RB1? Should I play him over, you know, some some bell cow like Jarek McKinnon, Ryan? You know, I I would play Jarek McKinnon over uh, Nick Chubb or uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, even if Chubb is out. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to argue with. Much better offense. (laughs) Jarek McKinnon is apparently locked into a bunch of target volume now, which we love to see. Uh, Getting back to Kareem Hunt, though. Yeah, I will agree with you. I, I might even push to have you push him even lower because it is Kareem Hunt the bell cow if Chubb doesn't play like it would can we really say for certain that he's gonna be like an over 50% snapshot player I I would think the Browns would get Dearness Johnson involved a lot especially if it turns into a very run heavy game plan like they they just seem to like having Dearness Johnson especially between the tackles like he he profiles much more as that type of back that you're gonna feed 25 carries to in your super run heavy game plan so yeah, I, I don't know. The, the Dearness Johnson might be on the radar for DFS as well, seeing, well, depending how this shakes out this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even Nick Chubb, like he maxed out at a 70% snap share actually last week, but uh, it, it's generally been like 60% of the snaps for Chubb, even a little lower, 50%. So I find it hard to believe that um, Kareem Hunt's going to come in and get 80%. You're right. They would mix in Dearness Johnson. So yeah, I, he, he's, he's definitely a starter if Chubb is out, but let's not get overboard here. And I mean, Hunt has just not been as good as Chubb this year. I mean, he has not reached 60 yards rushing on the season in a game, like his receiving yardage totals. He's top 20 yards like three times. It's just not been very efficient. So I don't think we can just expect Hunt to come in and just start ripping off 35-yard rushes. Totally agreed. All right, let's move over into the Dolphins' backfield. So I obviously spent a bunch of time on what we saw just raving about Raheem Mostert. Uh, But Jeff Wilson potentially coming back. What are we doing here? Who are you ranking higher? Can you trust either of them? Yeah, this feels like another one we want to stay away from if we can. Uh, if, if you're in the playoffs and you have a better option, 
go for it. Um, it is a really nice matchup against the Packers. So that's what makes me interested. Uh, Packers are top mat- five matchup on the ground for opposing running backs. They they are decent at limiting receptions and receiving game work, but they're allowing five yards per carry. So we do want to start someone here. I, I guess just with Wilson limited in practice Wednesday, they're saying he was close to playing last week. Uh, we saw Raheem Mostert top out about 72 to 76% of the snaps with Wilson injured, but um, with Wilson around, Mostert was topping out at about 60%. So I also think that, like, you know, we saw when Raheem Mostert missed a week and uh, he came right back and overtook Jeff Wilson, like, off of injury. Like, it's this seems like another one of those backfields we can't predict. Uh, for all we know, Wilson's going to come back and play more over Mostert. Like, I just, in the fantasy playoffs, I would be a little hesitant to jam in Mostert above a lot of good players here. So I have him RB25. And there are some options like Isaiah Pacheco against Seattle. I would play over him. Um, The two, you know, Leonard Fournette, that's debatable, I'm sure. But it's in Arizona in good weather. He catches passes. You know, he's he's an ugly option, but he gets it done in PPR leagues. So that's kind of the range where I have Raheem Mostert. I would play him over like Jamal Williams, Latavius Murray, A.J. Dillon. But um, RB25, probably not as high as a lot of people would uh, home against the Packers. Yeah, I think Jamal Williams is the interesting comparison point because I these are both players on offenses that we expect to be high scoring with pretty decent implied totals this week uh and I mean you not I don't think as you said I don't think either are locked into like a great playing time floor uh we, like we've seen Jamal Williams snap shares dip dramatically in the last couple of weeks the touchdowns have dried up for him as well but yeah the same thing that happened to Mostert so yeah, I, I don't know how you sort between the I like I'm glad I don't have a roster with those two because I, I would be agonizing over which one to go with because I feel I feel like they're the same exact play this week. Yeah. And I mean at Buffalo, Mostert looked really good. Um 136 yards though on 17 carries. That's just that's really hard to expect from week to week. And when you're looking at one target, two targets, you know, it's just not a lot of passing game work. So if you get a touchdown, you're going to be happy with Mostert. There's a decent chance he does get one. Uh, Maybe he can keep up this efficiency, but it was just a second 100 yard game of the year. So kind of like who we're going to talk about here in a minute, like just these guys who are relying on rushing yardage, they just make me a little wary um, in PPR leagues. Definitely. Well, let's talk about that guy moving over to JK Dobbins, who hurt, hurt every Everybody making fun of him for how he looked on that one long run a couple weeks ago and just decided to turn in a ridiculous fantasy performance. So tell, tell me your thoughts on Dobbins here. Yeah, so I have him one spot ahead of Mostert. I'm home against Atlanta. I have him as the RB24. I actually thought that was going to be a lot lower than consensus. Um, expert consensus rankings on Fantasy Pros has him RB20, so I'm, I'm four spots below. But it's... It's just really, can we trust this efficiency with J.K. Dobbins? That's the big question. He's got 245 yards rushing on just 28 carries combined over the past two weeks. That's 8.75 yards per carry. Uh, The weird part is that Baltimore has scored a combined 19 points over those games, so it's not like this has been a good offense. And he has one total target over the past two weeks. So this is all on efficiency here. Uh, If you're telling me that you're getting 13 to 15 carries this week from Dobbins, can we really expect for another 100-yard game? I just think it's tough. Uh, He only played on 38% of the snaps last week. Justice Hill was at 38%. Gus Edwards was at 18. 
So I don't know, Atlanta, we all see that matchup as a slam dunk. They've, they've been closer to middle of the pack, though, as far as running back points allowed. So it's not quite as easy as maybe people think on the surface. So it's just so efficiency-based here. I mean, Dobbins has made me look bad two weeks in a row by you know doubting him here. But even in these big weeks, I mean, we're talking about an RB10 and an RB19 finish. So without that pass-catching floor, it's just all efficiency, all touchdowns. I, I know that's kind of always been Dobbins's game but it just comes down to if Lamar Jackson is back or not for me and if it's not Lamar Jackson it's hard for me to be too excited about Dobbins that's fair yeah the quarterback situation is definitely something to take into account uh I would just push back a little bit and say that being efficient on the ground is kind of J.K. Dobbins whole thing he did average six yards per carry his entire rookie year which is (laughs) unreal uh I mean he did that all throughout college as well so yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. if this is who he is, just insane rushing efficiency on the ground. I I agree that's like hard to trust. That's not the the archetype of player that I'm usually into, but I could I could see getting yeah. him above like a Leonard Fournette or even a Miles Sanders. Uh not like neither of whom have ideal matchups, neither of whom are are particularly efficient. So, yeah, I I mm. would yeah, I'd probably be more in line with consensus on him than you are. Yeah, I think it's hard for me to get by the just the low scoring that this offense has been putting up the last two weeks. Um, man, if they were just scoring 20 points a game, I'd feel a lot better about it. It's just if you're going to miss out on those touchdowns. But hey, like you said, I mean, he has been an efficient player, so he could keep it going here for sure. I Miles Sanders, you mentioned, like, I, I mean, it, it's he's so boom bust. It, it's hard to even know where to put him in rankings. It's either going to be a top five running back week or like a, a 25 or lower running back week. So um, yeah, I guess it's kind of pick your poison there if you want the boom bust with Sanders or Dobbins. But I don't know. I'm just kind of down on this Ravens team in general. Maybe he'll show me wrong, prove me wrong for the third straight week, though, because it's uh, it's been pretty good the last two weeks. All right. The only other thing I wanted to mention was you do have Jerry McKinnon at RB15. Um, absolutely love that. But the guys I want to discuss are you, you have DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne both right below him. Uh, what Talk a little bit about your thought process there. I, I don't know if this is like a relevant sit-start decision for a ton of people, but it, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I'll start with Swift. I mean, I, I, I think people are very down on Swift, and I understand it. I mean, he only played... of the snaps last week. I mean, that was first on the team at running back though, but they've got a pretty gross three-way split going on here with him and Jamal Williams and Justin Jackson. But I mean, Swift had nine targets last week. That was a 25% target share. Um, It's a really good offense. Like the lines are just a good offense, no matter how you slice it. They're playing a a Panthers defense that has given up points to opposing running backs. Like I think there's a few different paths here for Swift to be good. And despite just how miserable of a season this feels like, I mean, he's still putting up PPR points every week. I mean, it's not it's not what we expected when we drafted him into the first, beginning of the second, but you're getting 10-plus PPR points most weeks. It is trending upwards. He's reliable targets. So I, I think there are worse, op- worse options than Swift. Maybe he finally puts it together, gets a 50% snap share. Probably not. But you compare him to someone like Travis Etienne, who's getting all of the snaps here. Um, but not a lot of receiving work. Like he's he had that injury set him back, and uh, he he ramped back up last week with 103 rushing yards against Dallas, which was really nice. But just two catches last week. He's only had a handful of games, actually no games with more than three catches. So ETN hasn't quite had that receiving role that we've wanted to see. 
and not a lot of touchdown scoring from him. So it's kind of like two opposite type players almost with Swift and, and ETN. Like I just trust the Lions offense to give touchdowns to the running backs and he's catching passes while ETN is getting it more done on the ground. Like kind of like Dobbins, I just trust ETN's health um, in that offense more than Dobbins. So I don't know. I have Swift ahead. It feels bad, but I mean, ETN is playing in uh, New Jersey, playing against the Jets on Thursday night, bad weather. So Jets are a tough defense. I, I guess it kind of just comes down to how afraid are you of playing a running back against the Jets? Yeah, I, I have a lot to respond to there. So I yeah. I will say DeAndre Swift is not on the injury report right now. I have the Lions injury report, yep. report in front of me. He did, didn't sneak on there in the in the last uh, like 12 hours like he seems to whenever we record this podcast. Uh, yeah, but so th- this stat is from Jake Tribby uh, in the eight games where DeAndre Swift's been on the injury report this year. He's averaged 10 and a half fantasy points per game in the three games. He's not been on the injury report. It, it's been 20 points per game. So just uh, I don't know how much we can read into that split, but I will just say that I think it's interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, with, with ETN, I feel good about him as a play this week personally uh here's like yeah it it does come down to he's just not being used in the passing game and this is going to be a debate this offseason i can already tell of whether etn is like capable of catching passes at the nfl level or whether he will uh because that yeah that is like the one piece missing to his game he was like the check down king from his same exact quarterback in college so an Kind of an interesting example. I We've got a lot of them of just the pass catching in, that some running backs do in college, just not at all correlating to what they do in the NFL. But I, you could also make the argument that uh, ETN will basically be a second year running back next year. You could argue that that's when those guys see role changes. So it it's really hard to say. And I, yeah, I'm, Mostly, I, I'm just looking forward to that debate this offseason. I don't I don't even know which side of it I'll be on. Yeah, I think I'll be more into ETN next year than I was this year. So I could see those targets increasing for sure. This offense is finally getting its feet under them. I, I think they'll be able to maybe kind of take the offseason to game plan some things. And, and, you know, maybe they get a compliment to ETN so he doesn't have to be the every down between the tackles runner and um, he can kind of be a pass catcher like we kind of wanted. So, yeah, I, I, I was wrong on ETN coming into the year. He's been a lot better than I thought. And uh, just uh, knock on wood, make it through this year. And uh, I think good things for next year looking uh, looking up for ETN for sure. Absolutely. Let's move on to wide receiver now. Uh, just I wrote down like a few quick thoughts I had when I was ranking all these players, just because there are a lot of moving parts with all the backup quarterbacks and the weather and everything going on. Uh, Eagles pass catchers, AJ Brown, I've got up at wide receiver six, uh, Devontae Smith wide receiver 20. They do have a tough matchup against Dallas, but I, I'm not really downgrading them uh, with Gardner Minshew likely to play. I look, the efficiency probably won't be as good. I I don't think Gardner Minshew is going to be sending bombs down the field and, or just locking onto AJ Brown for 16 targets. Like we've seen Hertz do at times this year, but I would imagine there will be generally more passing volume with, without Hertz there to suck all those pass attempts out of the offense. So I, I I would think the Eagles remain functional. Uh, I'll talk more about Minshew later. Uh, Kind of the other side of that coin is 
I have both Cardinals wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown, kind of as like low end wide receiver twos. Uh, Hopkins at 17 and Hollywood at 21. It's really just a volume play. Like Hopkins still saw his 11 targets last week. We've seen Hollywood continue getting volume too, but I I just can't feel good about (laughs) about Trace McSorley. Um, yeah, that they're don't, don't expect touchdowns or efficiency for sure. Um, and on the other side of that matchup against the bucks, I actually have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, both as like fringe wide receiver one wide receiver twos. And a lot of, aside from obviously just the target volume still being very good for both of them, lots of pass attempts mm-hmm. in the, in the bucks offense, uh, th- this is one of the few games that shouldn't be impacted by weather this weekend, uh, un- unless er- unless it starts snowing in Arizona unexpectedly. But ho- <laughs> hopefully we're safe from that. Uh, the Bucks are implied like 24 points. That's better than a lot of teams this week. So I, I would feel very, very good about either Bucks wide receiver. Yeah, I've got a few uh, takes on these. I mean, I would agree with you, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, like just too good of an offensive in- infrastructure there. I'm not worried about them. Minshew's fine. A lot worse options than him. Uh, I-, I think McSorley is interesting for the Cardinals. Like, I don't know how many people have seen him play. I saw him play the Bengals in the preseason. I, I think I watched like two Cardinals games for what we saw. He looks like um, like a wide receiver playing quarterback or something. Like, he's just a little quick guy and he's he's not a great athlete, but he runs around a lot and it's going to be an experience. I think watching Trace McSorley. So I don't expect him to be real great, but I'm kind of interested to see that game. So I would be a little more worried about Hopkins and Brown. I I do think Hopkins is just going to get volume regardless of whoever's in there. So hopefully he can uh, bail you out a little bit this week, but then um, the Bucks receivers, I, I agree with you. Like, Last week against the Bengals, Evans had 71 receiving yards in the first quarter, and then that game just went off the rails. And I mean, they couldn't even keep the ball for more than three plays at a time. But if they're if they don't just melt down and have a turnover fest in this one, I, I do think that we can relatively trust Evans. Godwin's been great, so uh, the volume's going to be there. I would agree with that. Like I know it feels like we've been waiting all year for Mike Evans breakout. Maybe it's not going to come, but I would not be surprised if we see one of those classic Mike Evans games here over the last couple of weeks. So probably get him in your DFS lineups. I think most people are scared off from right now. 50 yards and three touchdowns coming, coming right up for Mike Evans. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, you look at his past year's production. I mean, we're just missing the insane touchdown production. Like it's not that crazy of an outlier year for Evans. He just, he scored 27 touchdowns over the past two years, and he's only got three this year. So get him some touchdown regression here. I, I think we can do this for the fantasy playoffs. I feel like th- maybe this is the touchdown regression for his entire career, just all hitting <laughs> right. at once, though. I don't I don't know exactly how that works if, it, if he's, like, saved up all of this touchdown regression. But, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, maybe that's the way we should be going with Evans. But I still think he's got a little left in the tank, so we'll see. So... All right, um, let's get on to Drake London. I actually talked a little bit with uh, Cowan about him, but uh, we kind of thought we were going to see this increase in volume coming. And with uh, Desmond Ritter, like kind of scared us off last week. But um, I don't know. We're seeing volume here for Drake London. We are. And it's it is like you said, it's kind of against all odds. Um, I, I mean, obviously, yeah. Pitts being out has kind of helped the last couple of weeks, but London is now 18th among all wide receivers in oppo per game over the last month. 
and most of that is fr- just from the last two games. He had 11 targets and 12 targets in each of those. And th- what's crazy is that th- those were good for 42% and 50% target shares. Uh, he he had like 75% of all the Falcons receiving yards or something this past game. It's like it's just so clear that London is an awesome player. Uh, he, I half the reason I put him on the show sheet is I just wanted to talk about him for dynasty purposes, not even so much this week. I have him wide receiver 30, by the way, against the Ravens. Like you, you can play him as like a flex. That's fine. But he, he has a 28% target share on the year, which is like significantly better than any of the rookie wide receivers we saw last year. I think Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle were both around 24% in their rookie years. And that, that was like a historically amazing rookie receiver class. And I, from, from a target share perspective, Drake London is blowing all of them out. Obviously that it's yeah. b- because the Falcons just refuse to throw the ball, but when they are like, it's only to London. And I, I don't know, like the, the Falcons are extremely obviously going to draft a quarterback this offseason. If if they don't, oh my God, like we'll play this clip over and over again. But I, I just can't imagine that they don't take a guy in the first round. Uh, but yeah. look, if they do that, then it like instantly Drake London's dynasty value just shoots up and he'll he'll be a very trendy breakout pick next year, I would think. Right now, he's only the wide receiver 15, according to keep trade cuts consensus. So if you're in a dynasty league that doesn't have a trade deadline, and I I mean, even if you are a contender, I think anyone should be buying Drake London right now. Yeah, I actually just went to Twitter to find the. I remember I saw a tweet about him against man coverage and it was uh, he's leading the league uh, in in, uh, target rate when facing man coverage. And then it kind of dawned on me. Well, yeah, that's because the Falcons never throw the ball. So when they do throw the ball, it's always going to him. So, but yeah, I mean, any way you slice it, like this is a good year for him. And I know the overall numbers aren't going to be there at the end, but I I totally agree with you. This could be a drastic turnaround from what this offense looks this year to what it looks like next year. Let's just get some talent in at the quarterback position. Maybe it's Ritter, but I, I I think I agree. We're looking at a new quarterback next year. I don't think it's Ritter. A, A new, a new play caller might be nice too. I don't know if we can, I don't know if we've been good enough to hope for that though that's just feels like where that feels like a pipe dream yeah I maybe Arthur Smith's been holding back for when he gets that real quarterback and it's all going to change this offseason so fingers crossed all right um you said you had some Marquise Goodwin takes and I'm not sure what they could be honestly Ryan so I want to hear what your Marquise Goodwin takes are. yeah so everyone's just kind of been talking about Marquise Goodwin in the industry this week or at least I feel like I've heard a lot of people talking about him I initially ranked him as like the wide receiver 35 uh the Seahawks are at Kansas City and Tyler Lockett is likely out for this one uh so I I was like okay whatever he he's just kind of like the the flavor of the week receiver that might be falling into some volume here but then I I was looking a little closer at like the route numbers and just Goodwin's numbers and efficiency over the season uh so last game, Goodwin ran it, like some more routes than usual just because Lockett left. Uh, he, he's been playing a lot of slot this year as well. But in that game where he was the clear cut number two, he was only targeted on less than 10% of his routes. That 10% targets per route run is 
like Marquez Valdez Scantling tier. I, I don't know if he's ever been that low, actually. That that's like worse than Marquez Valdez Scantling can usually put up. So that just like a new level of wind sprints. And on the season, he's only had a 16% targets per hour run. Like that's just it's just he's not commanding targets and i don't know why tyler lockett being out would change that like generally we see guys who get more playing time decrease their targets per route run as they run more routes so i like i kind of get it like if you squint this is maybe like a dj chark type of play from the last couple weeks where yeah it's a high total game the seahawks should be having a throw uh, it's second highest over under of the week and the, the matchup's good. Chiefs are allowing the fifth most points to wide receivers. So like completely on paper, this makes some sense, but I I don't know. I, I feel like we've all kind of been gaslit into making Marquise Goodwin a thing. Like th- we would not be having this conversation of Marquise Goodwin as e- even a flexible type of player if this weren't week 16 and we just had no other wide receiver breakouts to talk about like with all all of these backup quarterbacks all these low total games like it it feels like a perfect storm to where Marquise Goodwin's just the only potentially interesting guy to talk about but I I'm I'm going to tank him down in my rankings like I I'm probably moving him into at least the 40s so I yeah don't don't play him (laughs) like I I don't know I this this whole rant has just been kind of the I don't, I don't know. It just, just makes me think about how these guys get steamed in the industry. And I'll, I'll be really curious to see what his DFS ownership is. It feels like we've been down this road with Goodwin before too. Like he's popped up in previous years and everyone started him, and then he's left in the first quarter with an injury or something, you know, I mean, he, he's 32 years old at this point. Like he has been around for quite a while. Uh, he popped up a uh, limited practice with wrist and ankle uh, on the practice report on Wednesday. So I, I mean, I agree with you. It feels like one of those traps. It kind of feels like, you know, and then the industry hypes up whatever backup running back that's going to get all the snaps. We just know it. And then they don't do anything and they don't produce. Maybe that was like the Travis Homer week. Maybe uh, it's kind of what it feels like. So I agree with you. It's again, it's the fantasy playoffs. Like it's really hard to trust someone like Marquise Goodwin here. Like I would even rather like I don't know. There's someone like George Pickens who's kind of fallen off the map, but at least there's talent there. You know, like it's, I don't think Marquise Goodwin is a talented player. So we're really counting on volume here to make this happen. Marquise Goodwin, I am looking at his game log, does have two top 12 wide receiver weeks this year, which you probably did not even know. Uh, (laughs) Week seven against the Chargers and week 14 against the Panthers. So I just can't, I can't, yeah, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, those those were five and six target games, and he had three touchdowns combined. So, yeah, if he scores a touchdown this week, he is going to be a startable fantasy wide receiver. I can just about guarantee that. But it's uh, without the touchdown, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, and I would rather play Chris Moore. I, that, that's the last receiver I have here on the show sheet. I have a wide receiver 37 right now. He's moving up at least one spot once I, once I put Goodwin down. <laughs> Uh, gets basically the dream matchup for receivers against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Damian Pierce being out probably also helps push the Texans to maybe be a little bit more pass heavy. I, I don't know if we're holding our breath on that, but he has seen 10 targets per game over the last two weeks, which has been when Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins have both been out. Uh, Collins did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, Cooks apparently practiced in full 
we were told that at one point last week, but he wasn't ever listed as a full participant on the injury report last week. He had two limiteds. It, at least that's what's showing on the team's website right now. There was some conflicting reports there. I don't know that it matters. I don't know that Brandon Cooks is playing any more snaps for the Texans in his career. I, I At least I wouldn't think so. So I very high likelihood that Chris Moore is once again operating as the number one. As I said, the Titans defense has just been nuts for receivers. They have an insanely tough run defense. It's a big pass funnel. Yeah, like just play play the guy that's going to get 10 targets, even if they're from the like two-headed monster of Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show, like, man, Traylon Burks is probably coming back playing against Houston, but now, uh, you know, maybe Malik Willis under center. So I think we can lower him way down in the rankings. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some other questions that people are going to have leading into the week. Like, I don't know how you feel about Brandon Ayuk. Like he's a talented player, but really kind of let us down two of the last three weeks. Like, I don't know if there are any of these kind of borderline, like wide receiver 25 to 35 types you want to touch on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's the point of the season where you definitely ride the hot hand of wide receiver. Yeah, Ayuk I have at wide receiver 31, just under Drake London. So I guess I feel kind of similarly there, a similar sort of matchup against Washington. They are favored, so that that could be like a run heavier game script. So yeah, not as interested in Ayuk this week. Uh, I will say I don't mind DJ Moore. I have him at wide receiver 27. Uh, like decent shot that the Panthers are chasing points against the Lions. So I, I could see that working out. Um, but yeah, it, it is just kind of the, the receiver position is just not great right now that, yeah, there's, I, I really wish we had like the trail on Burks's and the, just those types yeah. of guys to be excited about and plug into the, like the back of a lineup. But those guys, we just don't, anymore i've like i've it what that guy was zay jones i have him up at wide receiver 26 now uh may, maybe you could yeah. argue that's a little aggressive or a little risky in this matchup and with this game total but yeah i just i just don't know what else to do it's it's hard to bet against trevor lawrence at this point i i have him as a top 12 quarterback so you're you're probably i don't feel amazing about lawrence but you're probably playing him too over especially over any streamer this week I almost asked you about Zay Jones. I actually felt like wide receiver 26 might be a little low, but it is in the rain against Sauce Gardner. I don't know how much Sauce Gardner he'll see, but I think that's probably it. I mean, even ECR has him at wide receiver 24. I was kind of expecting some crazy Zay Jones hype here, but it must just be the weather and the matchup. I do think people fully respect this Jets defense at this point, especially a home game for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I would think Jones sees a lot of Sauce Gardner, like Kirk is going to avoid him in the slot. So that that might be the that might be the move, honestly. Okay. Well, I think that's a pretty good recap of the wide receiver position. Let's get on to quarterback. Uh, Probably don't need to spend as much time on streamers this time of the year. There's not a lot of options either, but uh, what kind of QB streamers are you looking at this week? Yeah, so before I start, I'll just say that if Daniel Jones and Jared Goff are both in good spots this week, I not neither of them are under 50% rostered, but those are players that a lot of people have as like quarterback depth as maybe a second QB on their roster. So I, I would definitely play either of those guys over either of these streamers I'm about to talk about. 
so so the the first one is uh is Brock Purdy. Um I have him as the QB 15. Uh he's at home against Washington. Look, th- this it, this is like the same spiel I've given for Jimmy G a couple times this year except just sub in Brock Purdy. I I think he can do it basically everything that Jimmy Garoppolo can do which is just just kind of run this offense, uh, ha- have a 5.6 air yards per attempt and like basic, just an average completion percentage over expected, but let the scheme and all the weapons carry you to the ninth best EPA per play among quarterbacks since week 13, with, since he stepped in. So it, yeah, like the, obviously Purdy is being propped up by this offense and especially by some touchdown efficiency as well. But it's hard. It's hard to hate him. Like a, it uh, tied for the eighth highest implied total. The 49ers are this week. So I I would go for it. I, I think he's the I think he's the safer option between these two streamers. I I'm probably going to go back and forth on whether I prefer him or Minshew, who's the next guy. But yeah, I, I think they're both kind of fine, like low, probably lower ceiling, but serviceable enough streamers if you're in a rough spot with Hertz being out or Lamar or any of these quarterbacks that we've lost recently. Yeah, you're, you're right. He's doing the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. I mean, he's got seven touchdowns and one interception combined over the last three weeks. So, I mean, that was Jimmy's thing. He was, he was giving us two touchdowns every single week, even if the yardage wasn't exciting. So yeah, I, uh, I think long-term people are getting a little too excited about um, (laughs) Brock Purdy and I'm not quite there, but you know, for week 16, if you need a streamer, yeah, I would agree. I would go with Purdy. Uh, it's a pretty good choice. But I do like the the chances of Minshew here. So um, let's talk about Gardner Minshew a little bit now, too. Yeah, before I hop into Minshew, I will j- just echo you. Yeah, the, the fact that Purdy's doing this should be like by signals for Trey Lance. Like the, if, if Purdy can run the offense like this, imagine what Trey Lance can do if he has any, any sort of like additional arm talent to bring to this. Like, yeah, I yeah, good. Fun to think about. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny that I think the industry or maybe just football fans in general think that we've seen enough on Trey Lance that he's bad and he might not be good, but we haven't seen anything like we've seen what four games and it seems like everyone's already decided like, oh, Brock Birdie, this is his job next year or something like they spent three first round picks on him. We haven't seen anything. I don't know if Trey Lance is good, but we need to see more. And I just can't imagine they're going to sink these three first round. Doesn't Trey Lance have like 25 career pass attempts in the NFL or something (laughs) like one of those games was the was like the no passing it all like I, I yeah I don't even yeah, know a monsoon yes. game yeah yeah I I can't I can't imagine having a different opinion on Trey Lance than you did on draft night at this point uh, yeah yeah exactly all right yeah all moving right. into Gardner Minshew um re- like really kind of similar case to Purdy uh he just it's just that he gets to throw to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and probably Dallas Goddard it sounds like he's gonna be able to be back this week so one of the best trios of weapons the NFL has to offer. One of the best offensive lines. Uh, I, I would say like the, there are kind of two things that differentiate these guys. Um, the first is that Vegas does have the Eagles implied for three less points than the 49ers. So I I usually give a lot of credence to that. 
Um, you, I mean, you also kind of have to mentally account for, well, how much of the, how much of those points are going to go to the running game on average. So for, yeah, for the 49ers, that's probably more so than for the Eagles. So yeah, you, I think you could say they're close ish there, but yeah, Minshew gets the Cowboys, obviously a tough matchup. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence just kind of picked them apart. Uh, I, I mean, the Texans also kind of picked them apart a couple weeks ago, but we, we, we won't need to dwell on that, but yeah, but I mean, it, you could also argue that it's a good thing that the Eagles are underdogs that could lead them ha- to have to throw more and be a little more aggressive. Uh, and I, I, the other thing is that we have a bit bigger of a sample on Minshew in the NFL. Um, obviously, he he was a semi-serviceable, like low-end QB1-ish type of play for a lot of his rookie year in Jacksonville. Um and last year he made two starts. He was the fantasy QB 10 and QB 17 in those. And I, that that was a way less fantasy friendly offense than what he's in right now. So I, I don't know. I, I, there, there's like reasons to want to put Minshew higher, but there, I also have this just kind of revulsion to people who unironically think Gardner Minshew is like a top 16 quarterback talent in the league. Like, I, I, I don't know if you saw, I, I had a tweet uh, this week where when I was doing my rankings, I, I was like, wow, is Gardner Minshew is probably a more talented quarterback than Zach Wilson. Like, I, I think he's probably better. Like, I was just kind of mentally doing this in my head as I'm going through the rankings. And I put put that out on Twitter. And now there's like, so many people in my mentions saying, well, yeah, duh, obviously Minshew's way better than Zach. Well, it's like, okay, come on. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to be like humble about how much we can know these things for sure. But it, it turned, yeah. it turned into an accidental engagement farm and all, all of the Minshew people are in my mentions now. So I, if I say anything negative about him on Twitter, I'm not going to have a very good weekend, I think. <laughs> well, I think we're heading there with Brock Purdy. So he, he may be the next Gardner Minshew. So, uh, no, I do agree though. Minshew's in a good spot. I mean, he knows this offense. He's been good in this offense. Like obviously they're not going to run the Jalen Hurts offense, but they get to run their offense. Like it's, it's going to have a tweak, but it's not full blown backup, like hide the quarterback mode. So, um, Dallas is a tough matchup. They have the highest pressure rate in the league, but the Eagles have a really good offensive line to deal with it. Dallas has got some cornerback issues going on. So yeah, I, man, just get the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and I think he'll be just fine. So I would like – I think I like Minshew over Purdy. I know the over-under kind of pushes us towards Purdy, but uh, I just really like the the weapons and the infrastructure. Not that not that San Francisco doesn't have a good uh, infrastructure, but I, I think Phillies can lead to more passing for Minshew. Yeah, I do have Minshew over Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. So I get those are two quarterbacks that people could plausibly have that I would recommend playing Minshew over. Uh, would, I, I can't get him higher than Purdy. I don't think I, so I've, I've got Minshew 16, Purdy 15, 14 is Daniel Jones. 13 is Tom Brady. So I, I don't know that I can get him up into the top 12, which I, I've seen a lot of this week. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm just on Gardner Minshew Twitter somehow, but I'll, a lot of people seem to have him projected as a QB one this week. I think I would take my chances with Carr in Pittsburgh if it wasn't so yeah. cold. So at first I was going to push back on Carr, but that's one of the cold games this week. So uh, Minshew at Dallas, that's going to be a lot better than Carr at Pittsburgh. So yeah, I, I think the weather kind of t- breaks that tie. All right. Well, I guess that's all on quarterback. It's kind of, yeah, kind of linear this week. I'd say Minshew is higher upside if you 
feel like, and I mean, if you're streaming a quarterback in week 16, you probably do need a swing for the fence. So yeah, that I think that's enough for me to justify bumping him up above Purdy. Uh, let's move on to tight end. You have a lot of options written on this show sheet, but it so- sounds like you're not really into any of them. Yeah, this was like, oh, wait, as I went through these streaming options. Everyone, I was like, oh, I can talk myself into this guy. Oh, wait. And uh, so let's get through them real quick, and then we can go through them individually, but or maybe just pick out the ones that matter. But uh, Jawan Johnson would be the clear streaming option. 28% rostered, uh, just came back from an injury and scored two touchdowns. Like, he's been pretty good, but oh, wait, uh, he's playing in Cleveland, and the weather is going to be brutal. So uh, that's a big red flag. Um, next up would be Taysom Hill, 48% rostered. Same game in Cleveland. Uh, Maybe he gets a bunch of carries. Maybe we could talk ourselves into that in a bad weather game. We'll get back to that. Uh, Chigo Conquo, uh, he would probably be my number two option here, but uh, oh wait, Tannehill's probably out for the season and we're going to be dealing with Malik Willis. So what are they going to throw? 12 passes with Malik Willis under center? Um, They also have Traylon Burks back. So I don't know how we can give Oconquo more than like three targets. Trey McBride is like, maybe he had 11 targets over the past two weeks, but uh, yeah, he's playing with Trace McSorley. And then like Hayden Hurst, maybe coming back off an injury, like maybe he's one we can consider. And like Jeff Driscoll, like that's the other option. He played 29% of the snaps last week at quarterback. It's, it's brutal, Ryan. Like, I don't honestly know who I would recommend for a streamer. I kind of feel like I would say Juwan Johnson and just close your eyes and hope the weather doesn't ruin it because you could conceivably see a tight end, you know, still catching a touchdown in a cold weather game, right? I'd I'd be quicker to go to Taysom Hill, honestly. I I really <laughs> yeah. feel like that could be the game plan for the Saints is, is like ten or more Taysom Hill carries and a bunch of gadgety stuff like they. And I mean that that is kind of what the Saints like to do. Like they've been, we've seen them getting Rashid Shahid involved and being. Kind, like kind of popping up in box scores and being DFS viable just off of these gadgety plays. Like what, why not do it, yeah. ratchet it up for Taysom Hill in a game like this. So yeah, I, we we're in week 16 and I swear it's not just because he's on that best ball team, but I, I Taysom Hill starting to not, not look too bad now. I, yeah. I, imagine like playing this podcast for the week one versions of ourselves. Oh my, like we, we would think that both of us have just gone insane. Well, that's that that might have still happened, but uh, it's it's wild. Like I was bummed on the Trey McBride one, too, because he's he's playing all these snaps. He's a rookie like he's a high draft pick. I was like, oh, I can talk myself into Trey McBride here. Like he's had a six target game and a five target game, but like he doesn't even have Colt McCoy anymore. Like it made sense. Colt McCoy is a classic like game manager check down type. He's going to get the ball to the tight end. Okay, we could play him in a maybe a shootout against Tampa Bay, but we don't even have Colt McCoy, Ryan. That's that's where we're at at tight end is no Colt McCoy just ruins our hopes here. It is pretty brutal. Yeah. So I I don't know. I am again, I'm just like statements. I didn't think I would utter this season. I talking through this. I am tempted to go to Hayden Hurst. If you want like a like a usual tight end streamer looks like he's logged uh, two limited practices in a row. If he gets a full practice yeah. Thursday then I, I feel like you would want to trust him over all these other names, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right with Taysom Hill. It's His floor is always so low, but we could totally see a Taysom Hill offensive game plan in the cold. So uh, Cleveland's a bad run defense. So it probably is Hill first. There's part of me thinks Johnson can score a touchdown. 
I, I think Hurst is right in that second spot with Juwan Johnson as far as streamers. Um, I think Driscoll, like he was a flop last week. He still played 30% of the snaps at quarterback. He had four rushes, four passing attempts. They claim they're going to stick with that. I just, I don't know how you can play him at, after last week, but it's not like we were necessarily all that wrong on Driscoll. So maybe there's some variance there for him, but yeah, I, it's Taysom Hill for me. And then um, maybe hope that Hayden Hurst plays. That's that's about as deep as we can go. So I think most people that have found their tight end by this point. I, I just can't understand these numbers in my, in my head. They're 29% of the snaps, but only four rushes and four passing attempts. How many times did he hand the ball <laughs> off? Like that doesn't even, that doesn't make sense to me. That's I, ah. I don't know that that doesn't feel real. I I don't watch the Texans telling on myself here, so I have no idea how that happened. But man, yeah, this tight end. It's I mean, it's hard to research these Jeff Driscoll and Taysom Hill types because it like breaks all the sites out there. You know, like I don't know if you ever tried to look at Taysom Hill on fantasy pros, but they they don't even know how to handle them on there. So uh, they're these teams are not helping us out here. That's for sure. But um, yeah, according to fantasy data as well, that's uh, 29 percent snap share for Driscoll. I, I, yeah, who knows what he did when he had the ball in his hands? He, he clearly handed the ball off. Taysom Hill has been breaking the range of outcomes tool for it was like week six when I figured this out. It was it was because fantasy pros for a while had him listed in both their aggregated QB and aggregated uh, tight end projections. So I, it's probably because different sites have him listed differently. But th- there would be when I would pull them, there would be two Taysom Hills in the projection. So it, it would just break everything that the range of outcomes tool was trying to do. So that, yeah. So yes, I I'm fully aware that Taysom Hill breaks fantasy pros. Yeah. If you click on his game log, uh, it does not show you his passing and uh, you, you have no option for PPR or standard. Like it's not even an option when it is for every other player. So yeah, one of these years we'll figure out what to do with Taysom Hill, but it's, it's 16 weeks in this year and we still don't know what to do with them. So I do agree, though. Cold weather game. Let's give Taysom the ball and let's, uh, yeah, roll to fantasy championships, right? All right. Well, I I feel like that caps it off. Is there anything else or are we going to filibuster for a few more minutes to get to the hour mark as we usually do? Oh, look at us. Now, I would just say for defensive streamers, uh, check out Michael James's article. We've got lots of cold weather games. We've got lots of backup quarterbacks. You should be able to find a defensive streamer. So I I don't think you really need us to tell you about it. So I should have plenty of options. So other than that, um, we will be coming back. Uh, We're going to change the podcast schedule a little bit this week. So look for the What We Saw podcast on Monday night because of the holidays. Ryan and I are not going to do a Christmas night uh, podcast, but we'll combine the waiver wire and What We Saw show onto a Monday night uh, extravaganza. So um, check that out. We'll give you a little recap of the week. Um, So waiver wire targets and all that. So hope you all enjoy the holidays. Thanks for joining us all year. And we will be talking to you all again soon.